Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Into the Burrow podcast. My name is Jared, and joining me as always is Linda. Hey, guys. This is our weekly movie and TV news show where we bring you the latest news from the entertainment industry, give you a couple of reviews, maybe talk about some trailers and what's new to streaming um, so that you can get all of the information that you could possibly need to keep up with everything that's currently releasing, um, even though there's not much. And we're going to talk about what's releasing or uh, in this case, not releasing in the near future. Um, so, uh, we got a great show for you. Um, a lot to talk about, a lot of Disney information, but first I wanted to mention a little bit off the top here about what we're doing for the Nightstream Film Festival. So, as you know, we did get selected to take part in this event, which I am super pumped for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot personally wait for that, but, um, with that comes the responsibility of actually participating in that festival. So as far as the podcast next week goes, um, we are not going to be doing the show the next week, uh, possibly even the week after that, depending on um, how, how, much, uh, how much content we're actually going to cover. Um, we are still going to be releasing a podcast, uh, but it's just not going to be the typical news show that we've been doing for the past like two months. And uh, I think that's okay. Breaks it up a little bit. Um, and then we're going to come back probably better than ever with the podcast. Uh, but we want to cover this event. Make sure you have a bunch of goodies to look forward to in the future. We'll give you some recommendations on what to watch and when they release. And our initial thoughts on them without spoiling them too much. Also, I wanted to let you know that um, Pandora. Pandora was finally going to list me. And uh, for a while there on Buzzsprout in my directories, it said um, pending or something like that. And then uh, I reached out to Pandora and they, they were like, yeah, we'll look into that. We'll, we'll try and get you listed. Expect to hear back from us, you know, within a couple of weeks, maybe a month. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, but the moment I go to log on to Buzzsprout today, it says get listed again, meaning that either they threw away my uh, application or what they did was uh, accidentally had a system override of some sort and reverted my submission back to the beginning. Um, so they either denied me or they denied me. I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is about Pandora, but it's like, come on, man. Like I'm, I'm just trying to, to get my podcast listed on the last place possible. And oh, you're making it so difficult. But that's the news that I have for myself this week and for the Into the Burrow podcast. Uh, anything new with you, Linda? Like, you've definitely had a more um, eventful week than me. I, I've i literally done nothing this week. I saw my dad and my brother, hung out with my sister for a little bit, and worked. And that was, that was about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that sounds like a good week though. Even it, is, though it was a good week. Yeah. It was just, you know, I wasn't yeah. dealing with Pandora. I didn't have yeah. the pleasure of dealing with that. So. <laughs> well, also, Linda, and I, I'm going to get your, I'm going to get your reaction live on air here. Something else happened this week. Uh, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to mention what? it on the podcast, but I'm going to text it to you right now while oh we're God. talking about this. So I can get your reaction. Um, okay. because I'm, this is something that uh, I've wanted to tell you, but I haven't been able to really like 
um, bring up, and it's also information that I don't want to share publicly yet. Um, so this stays with just you. But Aww. I want to get your reaction to this because this is also the week that I've had. Uh, okay. And it is um, big, big news. Yeah, that guy's Emma's favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite. Of course. Woo, spooky Linda for the win. Mm. All right, I just I just got it. Um, holy shit, are you serious? Yeah. Mm, oh my what? god. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What the fuck? Yeah. <gasps> oh um, but, yeah, with all that happening just this week, uh, it's been, needless to say, an eventful week and a week where I've kind of been skipping my sleeping, my normal sleeping regiment. And, uh, yeah, and obviously you can kind of hear it in my voice, like just the uh, crassness of it. Um, <clears throat> it's getting worse now. I don't know why. When I started talking about it directly, it was like, have to get worse. Uh, but yeah, no, big news. Um, so wow. it wasn't for me. And uh, I, I will share more information in the future on that. Um, but until then, we have got some news to talk about. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, you've come to expect it if you've been listening to the show for a while now. Um, our first news stories are going to be covering Disney and the implications that Disney is having on the entertainment industry. So, oh, my God. If you would like to support the Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do here on the Borough Reviews. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other tier perks. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash the borough reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. The latest news from last week. Mike Schneider of the Associated Press writes, Disney to lay off 28,000 employees at its parks in California and Florida. Squeezed by its limits on attendance at its theme parks and other restrictions due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the Walt Disney Company said Tuesday it planned to lay off 28,000 workers in its parks division in California and Florida. Two-thirds of the planned layoffs involve part-time workers, but they range from salaried employees to hourly workers, Disney officials said. In a letter to employees, Josh Domaro, chairman of Disney Parks, Experience and Products, said California's, quote, unwillingness to lift restrictions that would allow Disneyland to reopen exacerbated the situation for the company. Quote, as heartbreaking as it is to take this action, this is the only feasible option we have in the light of the prolonged impact of COVID-19 on our business, including limited capacity due to physical distancing requirements and the continued uncertainty regarding the duration of the pandemic, he said. Matt Patches of Polygon writes, The Lion King 2 is happening with the director of Moonlight. 
Walt Disney Pictures live-action mimicking, but don't call it animated take on The Lion King let out more of a whimper than a roar. But Jon Favreau's 2019 remake also made $1.6 billion at the worldwide box office. So in true spirit to the circle of life, a sequel is on its way. Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk director Barry Jenkins confirmed on Tuesday he will be taking over for Favreau on the unsubtitled Lion King 2. Anthony D'Alessandro of Deadline writes, No Time to Die delayed to Easter week in 2021 as pandemic takes grip at box office. MGM's No Time to Die is officially heading to April 2nd, Easter weekend, and vacating its November 20th release date. No Time to Die stands to make $1 billion at the worldwide box office. Given that, it makes sense to release what is expected to be Craig's final 007 film in an optimum, vibrant global marketplace. Ten Eleven Now writes, Marcus Theatres is temporarily closing 17 of its 72 reopened locations, including two of its Lincoln Theatres, South Point and East Park Cinemas. 55 Marcus Theatres remain open, including the Lincoln Grand Cinema. Boris Kitt of The Hollywood Reporter writes, Spider-Man 3 Jolt, Jamie Foxx returning as Electro. Jamie Foxx, who played classic Spidey villain Electro in the Andrew Garfield starring The Amazing Spider-Man 2, is in final talks to reprise the role of the latest Spider-Man installment starring Tom Holland and being made by Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures. John Watts, the filmmaker behind Homecoming and last year's Spider-Man Far From Home, is in the director's chair for the third installment, which Sony has dated for November 5th of 2021. Although moviegoers have now come to expect release dates to change amid the coronavirus pandemic. Marvel had no comment. And that concludes your last week's news update. Did you know that we have our own YouTube channel? There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies, and even some Let's Plays. Lately, we have been focused heavily on our curated horror content. But we have a goal to get to 100 subscribers by the end of the year, and it would mean everything to the team to reach our goal. Simply search The Borough Reviews on YouTube and make sure to subscribe and ring the bell if you enjoy the content. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. And what do we got for news? Well, you're in store, and you probably already heard it in the news bit, but uh, we got some Disney news, I tell you. Um, Disney just laid off 28,000 people in this last week. and. I'm concerned because Disney has much money. Disney has a lot of money. And these are all part-time people. And the fact that there has been no stimulus pushed through Congress, there has been no additional help for just the average working people, not to mention these people didn't even have the ability to really get, um, you know, part-time, like, eligibility for benefits even. So they probably don't even have health insurance, they now don't have a part-time job. So a lot of their income that people rely on, because, you know, most people these days have to work multiple jobs in order to sustain sustain a living wage. So not only do they not have that supplemental income, there is probably no 
benefits package for them anymore. Like they don't have health health insurance. And on top of that, um, you know, nothing's getting passed through Congress. So they're kind of just on their own. And Disney has more than enough money to go around. I mean, you can look at their box office revenue last year. You can look at how much they've gobbled up in terms of like IP and in terms of like just general like box office, you know, um, being a box office powerhouse in the sense that they're the ones that are recently breaking all of the records. And yet they lay off 28,000 employees. <laughs> I just, it, it kind of frustrates me. I saw that and I immediately texted Linda and uh, Linda wasn't too excited about it either, but I want to get your thoughts on this real quick. Like, so the, they, they basically put out a letter to the employees, um, the experience and product, like chief, like um, officer, like put out a statement that was basically like, well, we're disappointed to learn that the COVID-19 crisis has led to Disney making the decision to lay off cast members. Um, and that was a statement made by the union members. But what this guy said, uh, Josh Damaro, um, who is the chairman of Disney Parks Experience and Product, um, said, as heartbreaking as it is to take this action, this is the only feasible option we have in the light of the prolonged impact of COVID-19. So why did you reopen? Is my first question. And Linda, I'm sure you've got some questions for them too. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> it's this is what Jared and I are talking about when we say fuck Disney, you know, it's the house of mouse disease. Like, we're not talking about like, you know, the workers at Disney World who are busting their asses to give your children good experiences in the parks. We're not even talking about the parks themselves. We get it. It's really fun. It's a great time for the family. We're not talking about the movies, the TV shows, the friggin' channels that they have on cable. Because, you know, I, I love some of the stuff that Disney brings out. I I love like the cartoons that they bring out. It is not any of that stuff that we're talking about. It's these corporations that saw one little dip in the pandemic and was like, oh, let's open up our parks again. And then they open it and they're like, oh, COVID's still here? Okay, let's lay off all these people and not re-furlough them. It was not the workers' idea to open back up, and yet they are the only ones getting punished for it. Disney has a buttwad of money. This is not going to affect them. It's going to affect the people that they're screwing over by laying them off. And uh, it's, no, it, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know, and, that's, and Congress's inaction, like I said, is largely to blame for this. Um, we haven't gotten a second round of stimulus checks. Uh, there has not been an additional like CARES Act passed by either. I mean, by by either party, really. Like, let's both like be very like transparent about the fact that they're both kind of twiddling their thumbs over there. Um, and yeah, Disney. I, I appreciate what you said. Um, it doesn't affect them as much as it does all of these workers who are just laid off, who now are going to struggle to pay their rent, who are going to struggle to put food on the table for their families. And in um, a disastrous PR move, in my opinion, so this news came out on the 29th. Um, a little while after that, <laughs> 
like I'm talking like by a couple of hours, we get the news that The Lion King 2 is happening from Disney with uh, Barry Jenkins directing. And it's like, oh, well, thank you. And and by the way, this is in no means like in this is not directed at Barry Jenkins because um, I really like Barry Jenkins and I think he's one of the best directors working today. But like you're trying to save face in a PR stunt to bring up The Lion King 2. But people didn't even like the 2019 Lion King. So like not only like is it a bad PR move to kind of, you know, graze over the fact that you're just laying off, you know, thousands of people at your parks <laughs> with the fact that we're getting a Lion King 2, which no one asked for. I think that was even worse, in my opinion. But those came Especially on the heels Especially since they like decided to even like add in like, oh, we're probably not going to be able to bring in the original cast, even though the original cast, in my opinion, was the best part of that movie. Yeah, 100 percent. And it's still going to dive in apparently to the characters. It's going to dip into the backstory of the characters from Jon Favreau's 2019 The Lion King. Um, So I'm not sure how they're going to do that. And I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to say that it's going to be necessarily bad, but like it it didn't work the first time. I mean, yeah, you made you made some money at the box office, but that's their whole philosophy. They only care about making money. They don't care about anyone else. Like, they don't care about making a good story. I, I truly don't think they do. Mm-hmm. At least not not the filmmakers, but I'm talking about the company itself. I don't know that they care about making quality films um, at this point. However, that's not to say that Barry Jenkins isn't going to try and do everything he can to make The Lion King 2 a success. It's simply just saying that Disney as we've explained time and time again on this podcast, is not a good company. And also keep in mind what we're saying, like at least what I'm saying, it's not even from the opinions of like outside spectators looking into what's going on. I actually have a very distant cousin who worked in like the entertainment portion of Disney World. I think she was like, one of the mini mouses that they had hired. Um, I can't tell you for sure. She's like still working there or not, but she does have insight on the parks because she used to work there. And even she posted something on Facebook the, the other day, uh, going over the average pay of what they hire, like Disney entertainment people, like their princesses that they had hired compared to the CEO. And The bottom line was that, you know, the average Disney princess has to work 2,338 hours to equal one hour of the CEO's pay. And in like the sub, you know, post, it said they Disney had no choice. They did and they chose greed over their people. So that's someone that actually used to work for them and still loves Disney and, you know, supports the workers there. Like, that's what they're saying. So, I mean, even like the workers there are, you know, small in the bullshit and is like, this is not okay. Yeah. Um, Do we remember uh, back in 2018 in like March, I think it was that there was a missing worker that Disney had um, who was homeless. She was later found dead in her vehicle on, you know, on site. Basically she lived in her car at Disney and worked at Disney for Disney. 
And before they found her, before they confirmed that she was either missing or dead, they fired her and demanded that she send her uniform and stuff back. Um, come to find out, you know, she just couldn't afford food. She just couldn't afford to live anymore. And she was, you know, found dead in her car. Well, they have had problems with keeping people happy in their workplace. And they've had problems with keeping people um, alive, just in terms of wages, just in terms of, you know, actually working towards the betterment of not only the workers, but of the company. It, it's such a toxic environment from from everyone who's previously worked at Disney, um, with the exception of, you know, obviously, there's still going to be people who love what they do no matter what. But you can go talk to those individuals and kind of like Linda was saying, it's a lot more rugged than you would think it would be for such an esteemed company. And that has been true for several years now. It's not just like in the last like year from this pandemic, we've decided to hate on Disney. No, this has been ongoing for, for decades at this point, really. Um, it's just a lack of care uh, for their employees and, um, it seems like all they care is th about is that is that bottom line. You know, what are they making? How much are they making? And what are their future projections? And if it's less than it ever has been before, regardless of a COVID nineteen pandemic, they're they're going to fire you. They're they're going to fire you because they don't care. And we've seen that time and time again. So Disney, bad shame. I feel like I should do the uh, Game of Thrones, like, shame, ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Uh, well, it's anyway, absolutely yeah. disgusting the way that they treat people. And, you know, they it's widely known that the parks, like, basically charge whatever prices they want because they know that people are still going to buy it. And, you know, they could have lowered those prices. They could have, you know, done this, that, anything else. But... They they haven't and they never will and you know they never will and it's absolutely disgusting the way that they that they run everything because there are people who have like genuine intentions with the company who just you know want to keep that you know Disney magic going and they're always going to be stopped by the greed because they're not gonna let real good intentions go through ever. Yeah, it's such a shame. Um, and to cover it up, to cover up that big of a that big of a decision that the company itself made by laying off almost thirty thousand workers, with the fact that we're getting a Lion King two, I think made me hate the situation even more. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and just to go back to the Lion King two news, no one knows who's returning for that. Um, and if you actually look at Barry Jenkins quotes about why he wants to make this film. He basically said, quote, helping my sister raise two young boys during the nineties. I grew up with these characters, having the opportunity to work with Disney on expanding this magnificent tale of friendship, love and legacy while furthering my work, chronicling the lives and souls of folks within the African, uh, diaspora in the, in a dream come true. Um, so yeah, I, I, I I really like Barry Jenkins and I and I don't think he has bad intentions here. I think he wants to make the best film possible. Mm -hmm. But um I, I just don't I don't trust Disney anymore with anything. 
Uh, it's getting increasingly difficult for me to, I, I don't think I haven't, I haven't seen any of the live action, like remake stuff in theaters. I just haven't, I haven't given them the money. Um, have I, have I gone to see like the Marvel movies and stuff? Yes. But, um, I've kind of like stayed back on like watching the Lion King or watching Aladdin, uh, just cause like there's really no need to. Um, but again, you know, I don't have. I don't have kids or anything and that might change things. But even then I, I think it's important in, especially in the consumer market in this capitalistic society that we have um, to really use your currency as a, as a, as a weapon almost, right? Like don't give Mm -hmm. people money that don't deserve money. Uh, And they're increasingly souring my expectations for everything that they do. So that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Linda, did you want to touch on, um, (laughs) did you want to touch on anything else? (laughs) No, screw, screw Disney. I just, I can't anymore with them. Like I just, it's horrible. You don't, as much as you love the films and as much as you love, you know, the whole like sugar-coated portion of Disney, it's just so hard to keep supporting it when you know all of this disgusting things about them and the disgusting way that their employees are being treated and how instead of giving them a helping hand, they just slap them in the face. It's it's horrible. And now like every time I think about like Disney movies that I genuinely enjoy, it, it makes my heart ache. And I just, you know, wish they weren't so horrible but you know it's just the world we live in which is fantastic (laughs) so final word about disney from linda from spooky linda and it was marvelous i agree with everything Um, i think a lot of the people listening do too um no matter what side of the aisle you you find yourself on um okay in other news no time to die has been delayed to Easter weekend of 2021, effectively moving Fast and Furious 9, or F9. Uh, it pushed that movie back, too, because um, they put it on the same weekend, and then uh, <laughs> I think Vin Diesel and all the other producers of Fast and Furious 9 were like, yeah, I don't think we should compete with No Time to Die, so they moved their film back. Um, yeah, uh, no James Bond in the year of 2020. So if you were excited for that movie, like I was, um, despite what Linda says about it, uh, I, I was excited and it makes sense why they're doing it. And I'm kind of glad that they're doing it. But once I saw this news, I kind of knew right then and there that, um, uh, that at least some of the theaters, at least in my opinion, what I thought was a quarter of the, the theater market that was open would close back down. Because now, really, there is nothing coming out this year, like, at all. And so, unless you're getting, like, eight friends, nine friends to go rent a movie theater, there's really no reason to go to the movies, right? I mean, it's super cheap to rent out a movie theater. Like, it's, like, 150, maybe 175, I think, to rent out a a theater in most places. But... um, I don't know if you want to go see Jurassic Park on the big screen or if you want to go see Back to the Future or something with, you know, your closest pals, then that's fine. But otherwise, what else is there? Um, 
how did you how did you feel about this news story? Did you think that um, for sure that more theaters would close down, or did you still have hope that uh, most of them would remain open? Oh no, I think everyone knew that my hope for you know successful movie theaters and any releases has been completely gone. Like I totally suspected that this would happen you know and i just i found it to be like kind of a funny coincidence how um when they were originally like delaying it it was going to be you know the same weekend as f9 and it just kind of brought me back to when we were talking about no time to die and i said oh it's like the fast and furious movies they just completely copy the same thing it's the exact same thing over and over (laughs) (laughs) i just you know uh, but I mean, I feel like this was something that we could probably see coming, especially, you know, if there are any re- more releases for this year, it's, it's more than likely going to happen with the rest of them if it hasn't already. Yeah. I, I think maybe we should just close down for the sake of consistency. Honestly, yeah. Um, because the only two movies that really are going to be able to do anything at the box office this year um, are Wonder Woman 1984 and Dune. And we don't have an official like release date for those. And uh, I can't imagine that we'll get Dune um, because it's Denis Villeneuve and Blade Runner 2049 didn't do that good at the box office. Or Okay, it did... It did good, but it didn't do as well as expected. And so I can't see the producers of that film um, or the co- the production company for that matter. I can't see them wanting to release their movie uh, with his track record at a time like this when it's so uncertain, um, especially since that movie cost a lot of money to make because it's high, high concept sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I do believe that Dune will probably be pushed back to 2021. And with Wonder Woman 1984, I mean, it's pushed, it's been pushed back so much at this point, and it's gotten so many different release dates, but what else can you do? So I, I do believe that Wonder Woman 1984 will also be pushed back, and then we truly have nothing to look forward to in terms of the theater market this year. So if they're able to close their doors, furlough their workers, and um, of course that comes at a, at a high cost for the workers too, because there's no extra unemployment assistance happening right now. So now Mm -hmm. that we've reopened and places are starting to shut back down, um, those theaters aren't going to have those extended or those theater employees, excuse me, aren't going to have those extended benefits uh, to look forward to and to keep them comfortable during the rest of this pandemic during, you know, the, I guess the entirety of the duration of it, because who knows at this point, how long this is going to go on for. We thought it was going to be done by November. I don't think it's going to be done by November. Um, this is such a complete and utter disaster for the United States. Um, and, you know, I, the fact that there, we already ta- talked about it a little bit, but there's no action in Congress right now to help the average American. And so uh, it's just going to make it super tough for everyone to kind of bear. But at the same time, if you're able to furlough them and we get some aid passed through, um, Maybe, just maybe, they'll be able to stay employees. Otherwise, you're going to see mass layoffs, mass unemployment. Like, the unemployment numbers are going to go up again if if this keeps happening. Like, I know it's under a million right now. I think we're right around, like, 800,000 new, mm-hmm. um, new uh, unemployment claims uh, every week rather than being over that number because um, it was over a million for a while. 
Uh, but if we keep seeing this trend, we're going to see that number increase and permanent job loss is already increasing. So this is just a catastrophe on so many different levels. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I guess there's really nothing more to add than that. Um, I've been thinking, though, um, just kind of a little unrelated, but while Wonder Woman 1984 has, you know, this newfound free time, I think it would be most constructive to uh, use it to really work on that uh, cheetah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we were all thinking it. We were all thinking it. Just so then it doesn't look like a rejected cast member from Cats. I mean, yeah, Yeah, it really just was not a good look i i totally agree i think most people were like (laughs) what the f was that cheetah what is that um yeah so good point there uh i that's something that i probably wouldn't have brought up and i am so happy you did (laughs) um yeah so uh no time to die being delayed um i'm going to hop around sorry linda uh we're going to talk about what's happening right now in lincoln um because uh we've seen kind of what the exhibition market has been shaping up to be for the rest of 2020 for quite some time. You probably could have guessed it like a month ago that everything was going to be delayed. Um, And surely it was. So uh, what does that have an effect on um, in terms of the Lincoln exhibition market right here in Lincoln, Nebraska? Well, Marcus Theaters is uh, temporarily closing 17 of its 72 reopened locations, including two theaters right here in Lincoln. Both South Point and East Park cinemas are closing again. Uh, Who knew? We all guessed it. Um, What surprised me, I think, is the fact that the Lincoln Grand is staying open. Because I haven't been there. I don't know how much business they're doing. But I can't imagine that it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, even though it was super predictable that the movie theaters were starting to close, I mean, yeah, they had all these new health measures and, you know, they were doing all this extra stuff to to stay open. I mean, sometimes it just doesn't cut it. I mean, people don't really want to go out right now. And uh it's honestly kind of starting to scare me a little bit, like with the theaters closing back up, like, is this an early sign of, you know, it's only a matter of time before other stuff starts closing down. Cause I work in a restaurant right now yeah, and it, you know, just thinking ahead, it does kind of scare me a little bit. Like, because I got hired at this restaurant literally as soon as they opened up after having to shut down due to COVID. So it's like, is it going to have to shut down again? Like, luckily, none of my coworkers have, you know, been positive for COVID since we've opened up back up, at least none that I heard about. But, you know, I mean, what are the chances that these theaters didn't have any, you know, COVID news either, and yet they still have to get shut down, you know, all this stuff. And, It's just a little scary to think about because then you just kind of start thinking about 
where you work and you're like, are we going to have to be next or, you know, are Mm -hmm. we good? You know, what exactly is all the criteria for them closing down? Is it just because they're not getting enough revenue or is, you know, something else going on behind the scenes that they just haven't like released to the press yet? So it's just, you know, not fun to think about. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, literally it's like, who knows what's going on, but the fact that Um, cases are increasing here in Lincoln. Again, we're seeing kind of that like little like uptick of everything that's happening, especially like in Nebraska as a whole. Um, And uh, yeah, it it makes me worry too, because the job that I have just opened up like uh, literally like within the past month. um, And I was able to get on the ground floor of it. And uh, so far, I really like it. And if we were to close down and me get laid off again, part two of this year, I would be very, very discouraged to even return to the workforce unless this is all taken care of. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, that's not just me being like lazy or like whatever you, whatever you want to like label that as that's just a safety thing because imagine, you know, getting like three, four different jobs in a year, like I've had to do this year and each one doesn't work out and then you're kind of left with this uncertainty about, you know, well, what what is my income going to be? Like, where am I going to get money from? How am I going to, you know, make ends meet? How am I going to pay rent? Uh, what am I eating tonight? Like, it's, it's a whole mess. And that uncertainty certainly has disaffected so many different people. And it hasn't quite gotten to me yet. But let me tell you, if it keeps going with no action, no direct firm action from the government, uh, I just... I can see so many people out there like just get so so discouraged and never want to go back to work until this thing is all cleared up. So right. I don't know if if people are going to start striking. I you know like it's a whole thing. I think um, we've definitely toned down um, the level of disaffected people, like the level of disaffection towards the government over the past like month or two. But for mm-hmm. a while there, a general strike wasn't out of the question. And if it gets worse enough again, um, you know, if, if it keeps continuing down this path of like um, uncertainty for so many people and uncertainty uh, that's not just that's not simply just uncertainty, right? It's fear. And if you keep leading people down that path of fear, um, I have a feeling that we inch an inch closer towards that general strike feeling that we were getting back in like May. Um just because people are so upset and so over this at this point. But those are just my two cents on it. Um, I, you know, who knows? The elections in 30 days vote. That's the moral <laughs> story. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, have- keep in mind, it's not even just like a health thing either. Like, yes, I am concerned for my health. I do not want this. There are some people that are like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll have it and then it'll be gone and then it'll be over with. And it's like putting that logic aside despite the fact that i don't i don't want it not only for my health but i don't want it because i can't just up and not work for two weeks yep Mm -hmm. i need money like you know strangely enough i use my money to live off of um (laughs) and you know when i'm at work it is scary like if we have a feeling that someone has covid 
We sanitize everything down. We wear gloves to wipe down the tables. We throw everything away that has touched the table or has touched the person because we don't want it because we can't afford not to work for two whole weeks. And not only that, but we can't afford to get, you know, the testing to even see if we have it, you know? And that's, that's another huge thing. Like the president got it. And yet he has this like four star luxury hospital. I don't have that. I have a bed. That's mm-hmm. that's about it. I have a bed and water and maybe ibuprofen. <laughs> that that's what I have. That's what I can afford if I have to stay at home for two weeks. That that's it. So, you know, don't be an asshole and go around town going, I don't care if I get COVID. (laughs) Like, that's great. That's that's cool. Get COVID if you so desire. But, oh, my God, some of us, it's not even, you know, being a germaphobe about it. It's about we literally cannot afford to be out of work because of this. So you you kind of stop thinking like an asshole. And start looking around like, oh, it's just like the flu. Like, no, there's a mandatory two-week stay at home without pay if you get it. So do not give it to me, please. Yeah, and that's the thing with being forced to reopen. It puts so many things in question. Um yeah, I I think that was well said, you know. Um Thank you. <laughs> the, the the average worker doesn't get a break during this because they're essential and they have to, you know, be out there serving people that could care less about other people's health and safety. Um meanwhile, you know, the people in Washington get to take a two week break over the Labor Day weekend and not come to a consensus on um a secondary, you know, relief package for the American people. I I I just can't I'm not surprised that we're here. Um it, it's just kind of upsetting at this point to think that it's still occurring and that these are all still questions I have because even I with as skeptical as I am about about politics and about about our fate as a country, I still thought that we would have enough decency and have enough wit to at least make sure that every person in this country was taken care of through the duration of the pandemic, but that is not the case. So with that severe crisis outlook that I have, uh, let's move on to something a little lighter, (laughs) um, much lighter. uh, And that is um, some Spider-Man three news. Uh, Linda, I want to know before we talk about this, are you excited for Jamie Foxx's return as Electro. Jared, mm-hmm. I was confused at first. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally my first thought when I read this article. I was just like, what? Um, More or less because I don't recall anyone saying that Jamie Foxx was their favorite part of that movie. I, I recall. No offense to Jamie Foxx at all. You know, you're great. <laughs> but, you know, it. I was a little confused by that. And then I also heard that, you know, uh, 
J.K. Simmons coming back as J. Jonah Jameson was coming back. And I was like, okay, if you're bringing back characters from, you know, other renditions of Spider-Man, that one actually makes sense because people actually liked him, so to speak. <laughs> and then I I was talking to Lane about it and I was like, Lane, did you like Jamie Foxx in this movie? And he was like, not really. Why? <laughs> It's like, oh, huh, interesting. Well, they're bringing him back. And he's like, yeah, I'm really excited. It sounds like they're going to do a whole Spider-Verse thing. And then that kind of like snapped in my head like, yeah. oh, that's why they're bringing these people. Like that that yeah. made it make more sense. Like that would actually be really cool to have like a Spider-Verse for these characters because it makes sense for the comics. Like there is a Spider-Verse. And it would also be really cool to like tie in these three adaptations of live action spider-mans that we have already so uh, i mean you know to tie it all up i i actually think that that would actually be a really really dope idea and i and i'm all for it yeah i have the same uh i i have the same feeling that you had it's just like do we need this but then the more i thought about it i was like oh my god we're gonna get a multiverse like mm-hmm. that, that's what's going on here because the next doctor strange movie is titled you know the multiverse of madness Oh, um, and so like they're doing i think that that's what they're gunning for um and even if they don't get the likes of andrew garfield or toby Maguire back i think by doing this it brings like the fans of each of these different like franchises together mm-hmm. so not only is it a smart move for like them to just expand the story and expand the excitement surrounding spider-man but it's also a brilliant marketing strategy for people that like Tobey Maguire, for people that like Andrew Garfield, the Spider-Man, to bring them to bring those universes all together. Uh, they're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> but I mean, let's just let's just be frank about it. They're going to make so much money with this movie if that if that's actually what they're gunning for, right? Um, so it's all going to be a matter of how they market it. But it certainly does seem like that's a possibility. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, but yeah, no one asked for Jamie Foxx to return. Uh, I just remember Electro being like the, at least from what I understood, Electro for a lot of people was the weakest part of Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. I guess I guess it's cool. I, I'm I'm excited to see kind of what they do differently with with uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro. You know, are is it gonna are they gonna go for the same kind of vibe that they had in the Amazing Spider-Man two, or are they gonna go completely different? Um, well, watch. It's probably just gonna be like a total cameo, and like they're just like making it, him out to be like a bigger character than he ends up being. You know? Yeah, yeah. That could be that could be the case too. Um, yeah, who knows what they're doing with that movie but it is exciting just um, yeah. i don't know when we're gonna see this movie of course uh it's slated for next year but <laughs> um who knows you know with everything going on what's actually happening with that uh yeah. but uh, i actually do have a question for you though yeah Ooh. yeah did you like andrew garfield's portrayal of spider-man like did you like his spider-man movies at all um I think that Andrew Garfield was a good, uh, I don't want to, this sounds disrespectful, and I like Andrew Garfield, but uh, he was a good like middleman to bridge the gap, I think, from Tobey Maguire to Tom Holland. Uh, I, I actually don't mind Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, um, but definitely if I had to say like my favorite, it would 100% be Tobey Maguire, not because 
I think that he's the best Spider-Man. It's because I th- that's what I remember from my childhood, and I acknowledge that. That's my nostalgia kicking in. If I had to pick like who I think suits Peter Parker the best, especially for his high school career, I do think that Tom Holland has it in the bag. But that's just my that's my take. What about you? <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I think Andrew Garfield's a very um, nice man. Uh, but <laughs> I just I did not like the amazing Spider-Man movies. I like the storyline that they went with it just because Peter Parker is known for his love interest with both. Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy. So I like the change up of the storyline just to in just to include those um those different stories that he also had. Yeah. Uh however, for more I'm I'm super biased because I grew up watching the Tobey Maguire ones. But at the same time, uh as far as the most realistic portrayal of Spider-Man, I would also have to give it to Tom Holland just because if you look at the three actors, he is definitely the most realistic high schooler Spider-Man that we've had. I would say like Tobey Maguire would have been great for like, you know, college Spider-Man or like adulthood Spider-Man. But him and definitely Andrew Garfield, like they were not exactly realistic as high schoolers. I mean, for his time, Tobey Maguire kind of was but at the same time you know that was back when yeah that that was also like back when you know movies were notorious for casting like 20 year olds as high schoolers so you know probably at the time it seemed more realistic but you know by today's standards you can totally tell that he's like 23 playing like a 17 year old (laughs) yeah and so you know there's there's that but i mean for the nostalgia for you know growing up with him i am super bi- biased like i love toby mcguire's portrayal as peter parker but you know more realistically i prefer tom holland interesting okay well we're on the same page about that then <laughs> good to know exciting news exciting news other than the disney stuff that we were just covering um so that's gonna round up this news week um But stick around because we are going to talk trailers and what's new to streaming. Now, don't think I would let you off that easy without at least one more ad read. The good news, though, I'm simply trying to tell you about our website, theburrreviews.com. We have plenty of articles and reviews for you to read as you ponder your existence during these trying times. Like indie movies? How about blockbusters? The good news is we cover all types of film, but we especially love a good horror movie. So, if you're a Nebraska local looking for a review of your latest project, we got you. Simply search theboroughreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. If you have a short or feature film you'd like for us to review, and you aren't a Nebraska filmmaker, we'll still cover your film at no charge. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. Now, not every submission will be accepted, but it is always worth a shot. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. Okay, Linda. So typically on this podcast, you do not like the trailers that I pick and select for us to watch every week if there is a trailer. Well, this <sighs> week, I have a trailer. It's a new horror movie. And I'll read you the synopsis of it. It's called The Call. 
and it's supposedly uh, out right now. Um, although I don't know if that's true or not. I'm going to have to look that up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, in 1987, a group of small town friends must survive the night in the home of a sinister couple after a tragic accident brings them to the couple's front door. So this is directed by Timothy Woodard, Woodward Jr. and written by Patrick Stibbs, starring Lynn Shay, Tobin Bell, Chester Rushing, Aaron Sanders, Mike Manning. Uh, Linda, what did you feel about this trailer when you were first watching it? Okay, honestly, I was confused as hell because I, I like I, I was wearing I was wearing headphones when I was watching the trailer. Keep in mind, and. It was so odd the way that they put together this trailer and edited it because you could like hear, you know, the ominous music, you could hear sound effects and, you know, you can hear like bones ringing, but then you'll obviously, you know, see people talking, but there was no dialogue. And so I thought there was like something wrong with my headphones. I tried watching it without the headphones and I was like, what the hell? Like... Why aren't people talking? And honestly, I think I may have liked the trailer a little bit more if they didn't do that. Because it just seemed like really poor editing. Like, it was just, it was super weird. I've never watched a trailer like this. Because, like, it got even weirder when it started to have some dialogue. And then all of a sudden it was back to no dialogue. But you can clearly see people are talking. And it was just... It was strange, and I didn't get why they did that. Like, are the parts where they're talking, like, are they spoiling something and you don't want them to be spoiled? Is it really going to be like that in the movie? And it was just, it was weird. That's really the only word that I can, like, confidently smack on this. It was weird. Yeah, it wasn't. I agree with you that it it was kind of cut very strangely, and it didn't help its case. And yes, it is in theaters and drive-in theaters right now as we speak. Um, I probably won't be going to see it, but I wanted no. to talk about it just because you have Tobin Bell and you have Lynn Shay in a movie together. And that's what comes of it. I feel like you could have done so much more. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, they also uh, casted a Nickelodeon starlet and not yeah. even a memorable Nickelodeon starlet. Um, I only know her because... I was the person that kept Zoe 101 in business and she was in it. <laughs> so I recognized her from that and I was like, why is she yeah. in here? What the hell? Yeah. It, yeah. It was a little odd seeing her in there, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's for every <laughs> horror movie, you know, wouldn't those like Nickelodeon stars or, you know, the, um, the child stars or child actors, so to speak, start doing like horror movies to branch out. Uh, it's, it, it always throws me off. Um, so I wasn't like too shocked to see her there, but like, and Aaron Sanders, I, I think, I think she's a fine actress. So um, my my issue with the trailer was definitely the way that they cut it and the way that they yeah. were like, the sequencing of it wasn't quite right. Um, but I love Lynn Shay with all of my heart and <clears throat> I want her to succeed in whatever she does um, because I think Lynn Shay is badass. So uh, I'm kind of upset that it wasn't better than... Um, uh, better than I thought it was going to... I was hoping, you know, I didn't have my expectations high, right? I kind mm-hmm. of tempered my expectations and I was hoping that it would surpass them. It did not. Uh, and that kind of upset me. 
Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Disney and Nickelodeon stars that made their start like on like a TV show from there or whatever the case may be, it's a pretty easy formula to figure out. Like, unless that star has reached like, you know, superstardom, like Ariana Grande has, for example, uh, Keenan Thompson, I, I guess. <laughs> Or like, you know, Selena Gomez, Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato, like those who have made like an actual extremely successful career for themselves, they're typically going to be the ones that you'll find in actual decent movies. Whereas the ones that are that were probably a little bit more popular in their time during their time on Nickelodeon or Disney by adulthood. <laughs> Or, you know, by the time that their prime on those channels are gone, they're usually the ones that are in not very popular things. <laughs> like, uh, I remember there's this, like, really weird, like, creature feature that was on Netflix for a short time that had Elizabeth Gillies and Kiki Palmer in it. And that movie was just so weird. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was just like a group of teenagers in the woods and there was this like creature running around. I'm like that that's kind of an example of a not so popular movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it it's it's pretty simple to figure out. So just from that small little formula alone, something tells me that the movie's probably not gonna be the best. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I wanted it to be better because, oh. I mean, literally, what can, uh, mm, I, you know, I, I just want to see Lin Shay succeed and Tobin Bell for that matter, but more so Lin Shay. Uh, I don't know. Have you watched any interviews with Lin Shay before? Yeah, she's really sweet. I love Such her. A cool lady. I don't know. I I just I I want to like everything that she does, and she like isn't one of those one one of those like actors that like cashes in on horror. She really like really like believes in the genre and like loves the genre, and I I just it it frustrates me right that like she can't her reps her reps need to do her justice. I don't know who's repping her, but whoever it is. I get know. Her in, get her into some, you know, I, I don't know, the lighthouse, like weird. <laughs> let you, let Lin Shay be in the white, the lighthouse. Could you imagine that? Lin Keep Shay in mind, Lin Ugh. Shay is good as is is she's good at weird. She is good at weird. She is the grandmother of horror. Like you could put her in the worst crap fest, and she will still be the highlight of that movie. She's she's good at her job. Like you said, she just needs better representation and you know maybe she's picking these by herself and maybe she's just you know at that age where she's just you know trying to have fun with her career and she just doesn't want to be too picky with the work she does or maybe she does just kind of have crappy representation they're giving her these roles in horror films that aren't the greatest but they know with you know Lynn Shay's name attached to it it'll be like a cash cow for them yeah uh it's just so disheartening. Well, I mean, I keep in mind, Shea. guys, her brother is Robert Shea. He's CEO of New Line Cinema. And if I'm not mistaken, he's also the reason why A Nightmare on Elm Street is what it is. And, you know, 
the yeah. New Line you're, Cinema. You're, I mean, you're not wrong with yeah. Wes Craven's The New Nightmare. And yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, like, so they have she, a hand in this industry, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, that entire family is involved with horror. So this is her place in the world. And uh, jealousy aside, <laughs> she is just... She's a great lady, and I and I do kind of still want to watch this movie. Maybe when it's like streaming somewhere, if slash when. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God, just the way they edited this movie, it it just seems a little weird. I agree. Um, so we're in agreement on that one for once. Uh, that Woo. surprises me. <laughs> um, uh, so I bet you're wondering at this point, well, you know, I don't really want to go to the theater because, you know, coronavirus and anyway, my theaters are closing down. So I'm going to need to find something to do. Um, and I have just the thought for you. Why not check out what's streaming right now and uh, what kind of came out over the past week that you might be interested in? Well, boy, do I have some recommendations for you. Um, we have quite a few things that release nothing that really stands out to me, but we have Dick Johnson is dead on Netflix. Um, one of the more heartfelt documentaries you'll see about a family this year, uh, wherein you follow the filmmaker, Kristen Johnson, uh, or Kirsten, sorry, Johnson, as she repeatedly stages over and over her aging father's death. Um, so you have that project, which seems kind of, um, interesting for sure. Uh, but you know. Uh, get the tissues ready, I guess. Uh, you also have Crackle coming in uh, <laughs> with another, with another, like um, I guess, property with Robert the Bruce. Um, <laughs> this is the the latest is uh, this 2019 historical fiction piece about Scotland's Robert the Bruce. The claim to fame on this film is that the actor playing the titular king. Um, is Angus McFadden, who played the same character 25 years ago in Braveheart with Mel Gibson. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Like, uh, if you're into like that trivia kind of like movie news, um, and you want, you like Braveheart, you like that character, it might be worth checking out, but I can't believe I'm recommending someone go to Crackle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have people may, you may know on Sundance now, if you have Sundance now, um, and that kind of covers Cambridge Analytica from the 2016 election and on. Uh, that whole big Facebook controversy with the, the leakage of privacy and data. Uh, it's out now on San- Sundance now, and it's also available to rent on Amazon Video. Um, and you have a go-go Corey Carson Halloween. <laughs> Linda, I know you're checking this out. <laughs> I literally am. I hate that you knew that I was looking at it, but I literally just was. I was like, oh, yes, a go-go Corey Carson Halloween. Oh, geez. Look at this Corey cute back- little animated cars. Look at the dimple on that one. Yeah. Okay. It is cute. They're cute. I will. I must admit. Look, and the that little one pumpkin. Has, like, one little two. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh so this is a third feature length installment uh kids special um it's revolving around a trick-or-treat uh night that seems to be almost treat free until the challenge comes up to go to the scariest house and get the biggest candy bar of all oh hell yeah sweet adventure if you're looking for something you know uh not heavy um we also have savage x venti show volume two on amazon prime video uh, want a sneak peek at Rihanna 
Rihanna's latest for Savage X Fenty lingerie before you buy, watch the second volume of the fashion show. So if you want to see Rihanna do a fashion show for some lingerie, there you go. Um, and then you also have the boys in the band on Netflix. So this is Jim Parson and Zachary Quinto starring in this adaptation of the Tony winning play about nine gay men in 1968, New York, who get their lives changed by the events at a birthday party. Uh, and you also have Monsterland on Hulu, um, which I actually haven't checked out the trailer for this at all. Um, but it's not to be confused with Love and Monsters. Um, Monsterland is actually a Huluween original series, um, a serious horror anthology about the monsters within that are trying to get out. It's based on the Shirley Jackson award-winning book of short stories called North American Lake Monsters. So that seems like a spookier show if you kind of want to dive into more of the um, you know, Halloween-centric, like, I want to be spooked uh, TV. Which, by the way, I have started that because I have started watching um, The Haunting of Hill House. <gasps> you have? I, I love it so much. It is such a good series. I'm on episode five. So I have not gotten past episode five. I have not started episode five, but I am on episode five. Dude, that's what I started watching this week. I'm on episode four right now, but oh my god, why did you let me sleep on this TV show? I don't know why I slept on this TV show. Like, uh, I started watching it, I got past the ten minutes where I was like, that's it, I'm done, and I was like, oh my god. And then when I found out that there were Easter eggs, that you could find, like, ghost people, like, you know, throughout the show, yeah. it I cannot watch this show while like simultaneously looking at my phone. So I just really want to find like all the ghosts. And then I, that I like forced me to. me to be into the, the, the storyline. Oh my God. I love this show already. No, it's amazing. Uh, so have you, wait, you've done Theo's episode then. Yeah. Uh, oh, who, who's, whose episode are you on? I am on the twins. You're on the twins. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you're okay. So you're on Luke's episode. Um, did you finish Luke's episode? Not yet. I was going to watch it over the weekend, but then I found a spider in my room, so I did not have a TV for a good few hours. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, yeah, I didn't tell you about that. Uh, what day was that? It was Friday. Friday, I was going to sit down in bed, relax, watch The Haunting of Hill House since Lane had uh, a thing to go to with his friend. And there was a huge honking mother effing wolf spider on my bed i get home ah, oh my god and i'm like staring at it my cat's like eyeballing it and darting at it and i'm like todd no get down get down and you know so i take a picture to send to everyone because it's you know a spider on my bed and then as soon as i take a picture of it i forgot the flash was on and it spooked it so it crawled away to the other side of the bed luckily it was lane's side of the bed but i was like i can't find this i'm out so i shut the door and then i was like crap the cat's in there so i open the door i'm like todd come out come out he's just standing there meow i'm like okay fine fine you you deal with it so i shut him in and i go upstairs to my sister's room start watching it Linda, I'm home. You want to go out with me? Damn it. So <laughs> I shut it off and I go and hang out with my sister for a while. Not complaining. It was actually a lot of fun. She takes me home. So I go to my friend's house that lives in Waverly. And I was like, hey, what are you doing, man? He's like, I'm over at a friend's house doing something. Um, since I have a key to your house, can I come over and watch TV in your house? 
yeah, that, that's that's fine. So I go there. His house is really honking spooky when no one's around because it's it's a two floor. And like every once in a while, you can just hear these little thumpity thump thumps oh, all up no. on the second floor. And I'm like, yep, nope, not doing this. So I just watched Young and Hungry while keeping my eye on the staircase while just, you know, eating some sunflower seeds. So, yeah, no, I really never got around to finishing that episode, unfortunately. Bummer. Uh, wow, what an extravagant story time. <laughs> Thank you. I have you into story time every week, I think. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, first of all, like, it's a spider, Linda. It's spider. a wolf spider, and it was huge. Okay, but, like, but... It, would you rather deal with the wolf spider or would you rather deal with the the creepy creaking haunted house creepy creaking haunted house obviously oh like God. no doubt i am a very big arachnophobe i do not like spiders their dumb eyeballs scare the hell out of me they crawl and they do all this stuff and it's horrifying <laughs> they are oh horrifying God. things oh and it's just so scary because they got the little little pincer thingies and they got like all the little eyeballs and they just stare at you while they stab you with their little pincer thingies and they're everywhere and I don't like it. So yeah, yeah, I made my choice that night. I chose a ghost over a spider. If that shows you my priorities. It does. It, it does. Thank um, you. And I... Sh- I- I'm really surprised, actually. <laughs> um, I don't like spiders. I can't do it. Well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> um, okay, well, that was my first comment. My second comment, I completely forgot. But <laughs> I had two comments about that story. Um, was yeah, it no, about, uh, like, my sister? Was it about me, like, chilling out at some other person's house by myself just so i could watch tv was it the fact that i watched young and hungry yeah oh that's what it was yeah i'm on the third season of young and hungry i love young and hungry i've watched it like five times yeah i i've not like we haven't finished um all of it yet but we're so close so so um yeah i think we put it on pause because we wanted to start the vampire diaries and get through the haunting of hell house uh, hmm. Yeah, no, The Haunting of Hell House, just so everyone knows, if you haven't watched it, you probably should. It is so intricate in its storytelling and the story structure is fascinating. Um, basically, I'd, it's not going to be like this for the whole season, but all the episodes center around like one character. Um, and it's it's scary at the right times, but it also like is so much deeper like in mm-hmm. terms of thematic content than I thought it could possibly be. Because here we're touching on abuse, we're touching on like mental illness and psychological trauma, we're touching we're touching on like drug addiction and like I mean it is just so expansive in its themes while still planting its feet firmly in the horror ground that it's kind of amazing and I right. I love that this is a TV show and not a movie too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because keep in mind, with, like, most haunted house-themed movies and TV shows, it talks about what happens at the house, and then, you know, at the end, you get your ending, whether it be a happy ending or a sad ending, and it never goes over the aftermath, especially when it comes to the children affected by what happens in the house. It never goes over, like, the trauma, you know, how 
people deal with the experiences that they went through when living in a house that's so dark and, you know, has this like history and, you know, there's themes of hauntings, but it's just, oh, it's such a refreshing and new take on a haunted house movie slash TV show because it goes over, you know, the trauma and the aftermath of having dealt with everything that you went through. And it's just, it's so good. It's so good. And I love the fact that they have like, what, five cane children. And it shows how how connected and how close they all are. Because it reminds me of me with my siblings. I have a brother and a sister. And I'm so close with both of them. And I love them so much. And usually when it comes to you know, a group of kids that big, you know, you have like the little, the tiny groups of them being close, but not them as like a whole. And it just shows, you know, at the end of the day, they are family and they are together. And I just, I love that take on that too. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like, um, it reminds me like so much of the losers club, right? Yes. And, like, that, like, dynamic is so fascinating to me. And I didn't think that it would work um, just because I thought it would be too muddled in terms of, like, character development. It is not. It is, like, completely and 100%, like, um, how do I want to say this, consistent across the board with Mm -hmm. everything that it's doing. And, like, there is not a single part of an episode yet that I've been like, well, they didn't really need to do that. Like, everything has its purpose and it's – it's so like, I guess, well thought out in terms of mm-hmm. like how they're executing the story. Yeah, it's 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 just great. I'm glad that we're both watching it and that we're both liking it. Oh my god, can we talk about how stinking cute the Luke as a kid is? I know. Oh my god, he's so adorable. It makes me cry every time I see him on screen. Like, oh my god, bad things are happening to you, and I'm so sorry because you're so stinking cute. Because he's got he's he's like this adorable little kid. He's got those glasses that like magnify and make his eyes huge. So he's got these like big old eyes. Oh my god, it's so cute. I can't. It's so. It adorable. is really cute, and that's <laughs> one of the things that made me in that episode that you're on. Like, I I definitely cried during that episode that you're on. Oh, I'm not ready. For it, no, you're you're probably not because it's like so like just heartbreaking, like uh, you know, kind of the trajectory of his like character arc, um, and uh, yeah, no, it's oh my god, it's so good. I would and, I, and the, I'm sorry, uh, the the chemistry between mm-hmm. the siblings as kids and the siblings as adults is absolutely beautiful because you know obviously you know they're siblings so they fight and they have especially when like the oldest one's like releasing a book you know he gets into arguments with the sisters and you know there's there's grounds of moral conflict between them you know what they think is right and wrong what they should and shouldn't do but you can just no matter like what the arguments are or what's going on with any of them, you can still tell that they're, you know, at the end of the day, they're siblings and they love each other and they want to look out for each other. Mm-hmm. And I, that's just, it's just amazing just being able to sense that, you know, from the casting, from the dialogue, the way that they're presenting their characters. It's probably one of my favorite parts because I'm, I'm a big family person you know my family is really tight-knit and just you know seeing 
a bit of me and my siblings in these siblings is uh, I love it. It's one of my favorite parts, even though it's like a, a horror themed TV show, just the family aspect and the way that they're portraying each other as family is definitely my favorite part of this so far. Yeah, it's it's such a good show. I don't know. We slept on this for so long. So if you still haven't watched The Hill House and you like are like dying for, you know, horror goodies this spooky season where the theaters are all closed down and you have nothing else to like really watch and latch onto other than like rewatching The Vampire Diaries or like something of that effect. Um, definitely, definitely check this show out, especially now that The Haunting of Bly Manor is coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, actually, that this podcast is releasing. Uh, it'll be out this weekend, and if I, I I hope that I can. Obviously, we're covering Nightstream this next weekend, but um, I think I'm going to try and get through the Haunting of Hill House. That way, I can immediately start on the Haunting of Bly Manor once right. uh, once this is done. And I just I hope that they're able to capture the same magic because this took me by complete surprise. Oh my like, god! Thoroughly. Like, how how did we keep scrolling through Netflix, see this show as an option, and think, eh. Like, I just, I'm really glad we decided to look into The Haunting of Bly Manor. I was literally just going to watch The Haunting of Hill House for, like, you know, shits and giggles to get, like, the, uh, to familiarize myself with the tone that they want to set for this new one. And then as I'm watching, I'm like, holy crap, this is actually amazing. Yeah, it- <laughs> It's probably, I don't want to like, I don't want to like be like too like enthusiastic, but it's probably one of the best like horror TV shows, if not the best horror TV show that I've ever seen. Like that's, that's the rave review for me. Like I am at like pretty much a perfect score for this show so far. Like it has done nothing wrong in my opinion. Oh my God. It's so good. You guys need to watch it. If you're like more into like TV shows than you are with movies, I know a ton of people who are like that because, you know, some feel that, you know, movies are just a little too short. And I get that. But if you are looking for something for the spooky season, but you want it to be a TV show, then this is what Spooky Linda recommends. Watch The Haunting of Hill House, then watch The Haunting of Bly Manor. That should keep you, you know, good to go for the entire month. It's so, so good. Yeah. um, And I must say that I don't usually jump in horror movies or like gasp or sigh or anything. Uh, and Linda knows this because Linda's like watched horror movies with me, but there is a part in um, one of the episodes with there's a jump scare and it actually made me like sink into the couch and sigh. And like I like <laughs> like it was a very verbal audible reaction from me and it took it took uh, Lorenzi by surprise 100 oh percent when it happened. Which one was it? Um, well, not to spoil anything, uh, you'll know it's, uh, the, uh, Mr. Smiley. Uh, oh that, my God. Yeah. That scared the crap out of me. <laughs> that screwed me up for like a solid, like two minutes. Uh, for her, it was the, um, the kitten, uh, that kitten jump scare. It wasn't really a jump scare, but it was like, a. um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the kitten yeah. one was like super. That one was like messed up and sad, but you know, in like a oh my god, like not in like a messed up like 
this is gross. Like, I don't want to watch this. Like, messed up. Like, oh, what's going on? You know? Yeah. Well, I think for her, it was a grossed out. Um, <laughs> it was a grossed out. Like, uh, you sorry, make my Lawrence, skin crawl. Yeah. yeah no, uh, it's. <sighs> we could talk about this for days, I feel like. So <laughs> we'll have to do, like, um, like a short, like, The Haunting of Hill House review, like, when we've watched all the episodes. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to do that because, like. I, I just think it warrants a full discussion um, because it's so good. Anyway, um, <laughs> that is uh, that is going to be it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, um, we are going to be releasing weekly episodes. Next week, we're going to be covering the Nightstream Film Festival. Uh, we're going to be doing a couple of dedicated special podcast episodes for that. So you're not going to get any news for at least the next week. Um, and then going forward in the future, uh, we might have some neat little structure changes to the show, um, just to, just to keep it fresh for you, um, and for us. Um, and also like, I'm super pumped to have this festival, like, especially around Halloween, like it's mm-hmm. such a cool way to kind of cap off the spooky season and, or start the spooky season, depending on who you are. Um, <laughs> But I cannot wait to talk all those shows with you and all those movies with you next week, Linda. And until then, everyone, stay safe. Uh, If you're like me and you have allergies and they affect your everyday life, take medication, unlike me. Otherwise, you sound like this the whole time you're trying to do a podcast. Uh, And uh, beyond that, yeah, just stay safe, stay healthy as always. And if you're working for Disney, leave. Uh, (laughs) Anyway... Um, yeah. Strong declaration. But it is what it is. Um, it is what we will. It is. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> we will see you in the next episode, everyone. Bye. Bye.